Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Good morning to you wherever you are. You're very welcome to Saturday's Down to Business. As always, this is the show that gets behind how things really work in Irish business. I'm Bobby Kerr. I'll be with you all the way till one o'clock today. Lots coming up on today's show. We'll be talking to three successful entrepreneurs about why business doesn't need to fear artificial intelligence. In our executive chair, we'll be talking to Melissa O'Keeve, the country head of Northern Trust in Ireland. They're employing 1,800 people, both in Dublin and in Limerick. In our industry review, we'll be talking to uh, glass blowers. We'll be looking at the art of glass and indeed the business of glass, uh, blowing, designing and all that good stuff. I'll be paying a visit to the Dublin City Comic Shop and see why comics are not just niche and maybe working out how Superman might be different to Batman. I'll be talking to author and uh, executive coach Shane Craddock. Uh, He's the author of a new book called The Inner CEO. We'll be looking at that. And shortly we'll be reviewing our business stories uh, with our business panel uh, in just a few minutes. So you can text me here, 53106. It'll cost you 30 cent. Email me at downtobusiness at newstalk.com. Open on Twitter, at Bobby Kerr. Hashtag, as always, Bobby means biz. And if you want to send us a voice note or a WhatsApp, it's 087-1400-106. Um, just back from my holidays, I'm revived and energised. Uh, thanks to Mandy for f- filling in for me last week. So, all ready to go here this morning. So, we'll have a look at the business stories making this morning's papers and indeed some stories from the business week. Delighted to be joined this morning by Caroline Reedy of the HR Suite and also by Ken Murphy, former Director General of the Law Society. Welcome one and all and good morning to you. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning. And the, and the, the, the listeners can't see this, but you, I think you've got a bit of a tan, Bobby. You really are looking very well and very refreshed from your holiday break. Yeah, I was over in West Ross Common for a few days. It was great. Now, delighted to be here. Um, start off with a, with a, with a, a, sta- a sad and disturbing story from the front page of the Irish Times, uh, Ken, a warning over a spate of heroin overdoses in Dublin. I haven't seen a headline like this for some time. Um, yes, it, it is. It, it's a chilling story. Um, overdoses, Conor Gallagher has a lead story in the front page of the Irish Times. Overdoses close to 40, as health authorities fear total could increase over the weekend. So it's something really anybody who may feel exposed or know anyone who could be really needs to take great care of. But the interesting, there's a, there's almost at the back of this, which is a, an appalling public health story, first of all, but there's a business story behind it, which is that the the reason for this is, it's, they Gardaí believe, it says in the first paragraph, it's linked to disruption in regular supplies of the drug due to the banning of opium production in Afghanistan. Yeah. There's been a big crackdown by the Taliban in Afghanistan. Uh, and therefore, there's a huge reduction in the supply of opium, the raw material for the heroin from Afghanistan. So it's being sourced from elsewhere. But clearly, it, it's being now created artificially, it, it seems. And this is far more potent and far more dangerous than the supply yeah. there earlier. And I think, Caroline, there's a worry as well that's alluded to in the article that uh, this fentanyl, which has become a huge problem in the US uh, as a substitute for heroin, uh, could find its way into our market, which is... Again, equally terrifying. Absolutely. And I suppose the the key piece here is 
they're encouraging members of the public and um, people who may know somebody who might be at risk to not take a chance if they see somebody who might be unconscious or reacting yes. uh, worse to, you know, in these situations because a lot of the time it might be perceived that a person is because a lot of people who are homeless, etc., may be in this situation and it may be perceived that they're asleep, but it's take no chance, call an ambulance if you see somebody in that situation. A really sad story and I think brings to light how much of this there's happening every day, uh, you know, of the week normally. Yeah. But this really, I suppose, puts another spotlight on it. There's been no fatalities yet, but the risk is obviously that, you know, this could lead to fatalities and a huge alert over the weekend. Okay. And I suppose mm. overall in general, just the, the whole issue, I suppose, in Ireland now with drugs in general, heroin and obviously cocaine also from, a you know, a huge increase as well. Okay. Um <clears throat> Very disturbing to read that. Uh, back to more matters uh, of at hand. Ken uh, RTE appoints Deans as commercial director. Gavin Deans, I, I know him actually. He's from this parish. Uh, our loss might be RTE's gain, I'd suggest. Well, RTE <laughs> certainly need a commercial director. Um, RTE, according to Laura Slattery in, in the Irish Times business page, RTE has appointed Gavin Deans as his commercial director with effect from February 2024. Mr Deans will join the permanent leadership team of RTE and oversee the development of a new commercial strategy. Kevin uh, uh, Backhurst, the RTE director general, says uses the word critical. This is absolutely critical for RTE. Um, the, uh, you know, he... he Ultimately, it's, it's a few figures which are interesting. Ortiz's commercial revenue peaked at 245 million in 2007. That's yeah. a very long time ago. With you know a lot of inflation since then. In 2022, it was 151 million, far far less. Yeah. So the uh, <clears throat> the advertising was hit by the recession, competition over the past decade, and advertising shifting their um, their marketing uh, to online giants like Google and Facebook, RT badly hit. They badly need a new commercial director to help turn that around. Yeah, and this, this position, I would suggest, is more, it, well, important is probably the wrong word, but in terms of, you know, sorting things out out yeah. there, mm. this is the one because this is the, ultimately what will end up paying the wages, what yeah. will end up uh, keeping the lights on? Keeping the lights on, and I would suggest that Gavin has a very uh, challenging role ahead of him. But absolutely, uh, yeah. I he, suppose one kind of interesting part of this story as well, though, is that they're saying that the new strategic vision for the future is going to be launched to staff next Tuesday, and it'll be really interesting to see how this vision has been created before Deans is actually appointed. Yeah, because you would think that you know, in a situation like this, you would want him to be, he's not starting until February 2024. And you would think that you, you'd want all uh, heads around the table to be actively involved in that. But things are so critical that they have to move. There can't be, you know, a week's delay on this. Yeah, no. yeah. Interesting. And interesting from a staff point of view as well. I think from a staff morale and, a, you know, waiting for all of these uh, pieces of the puzzle to be put together. I think it'll be interesting to see what next week. Will Very be. difficult for staff in that scenario uh, where they're seeing all this stuff going on. And, you know, they're going into work every day. The morale issue, yeah. Dealing with uh, trying to keep the heads high has got to be challenging. Yeah, so interesting to see what Tuesday is going to bring. Yeah, to uh, just to stay with RT, uh, my my old friend Cantlin in the Irish Times, um, will RT throw politicians a decentralised bone, a de- decentralisation bone even? I think they might. Um, I think they so, might. So it seems, uh, this is speculation that, um, but uh, again... 
the the uh, politicians like the idea of decentralization. They've always there's always this image of you know Dublin Four and Montrose and that big campus out there. And why can't there be a bit of decentralization? Where this kind of thing has happened in the past, dare I be a tiny bit cynical uh, about politicians? I know it's very few people are, but I I just. They, there's been a tendency to think that a minister overseeing a situation like this, there might be a bit of decentralisation to the minister's own constituency, as sometimes happens. Well, in this case, of course, you've got Catherine Martin, who's based basically in Dundrum. So we'll be going from Donnybrook to Dundrum. I don't think we'd, that's the kind of decentralisation they have in mind. So anyway, the speculation here is a modest reallocation of resources to RTE Cork, for example, or um, something of that nature seems to be expected. Yeah, and they did try and take... Uh uh, Lyric FM on a Limerick and we saw how that ended so yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing that again I suppose the decentralisation though has worked in lots of other government departments really really successfully and why wouldn't it work in RT you know and I think shows like the Today Show and others have really proven that this can happen and it might be a, a good start to see what might be possible Well we'll see because I think the politicians will be looking for uh, uh, their pound of flesh um, looking at uh, interest rates, um, Ken Lagarde uh, indicates that the ECB rates seem to well have peaked. Uh, the Irish Examiner is telling us that the ECB warns that inflation could rise again. Uh, I suppose related topics, really, but I think you know it. It it has been an interesting journey, and I don't think we've quite seen the fallout. Uh, of the interest rate heights just yet. No, and and certainly Christine Lagarde from the European Central Bank, um, the suggestion is, and, and she is she and the European Central Bank generally are very good at at um, formulating expectations. You know, they, they manage expectations in terms of what may be happening. So there aren't surprises and shocks to the, to the financial markets. And the signal she's sending now, according to Cantil in the Irish Times and also the piece in, in, the, in, in the Examiner, um, is that interest rates are unlikely to to increase again? That's the signal, the perception at the moment. Obviously, things could change, but they're going to they're not going to start falling for a while yet. Yeah. Not in the first half of next year, because the markets were seen to be expecting it in the second quarter of next year. And she's indicating now the signal is it won't be. It'll be later than that because it needs because there may still be a little bit of inflation uh, increase resulting from energy prices may arise as a result of the problems in, in, in the Middle East. Um, but she is the signal, if you read both articles, is um, that the uh, even if there is a, an, upcrease, an uptick in inflation, there won't be an increase in interest rates, but they're not going to go down until the second half of next year. Yeah, and, and energy prices are often key in this, Caroline. Uh, I think there's been a stabilisation uh, of the energy prices, but as Ken says... Uh, that can change and can change with relatively short notice. Yeah, absolutely. And Cantlin, I think, is really focusing on that when he's saying that due to events in the Middle East, they could still uh, impact uh, inflation. But I think overall, the message here is it's good news on the horizon. And it's just when are they going to start to uh, impact all those people with tracker mortgages and fixed rates who will be watching this closely to see the impact for them. Big time. Well, I have you there, Caroline. Uh, interesting company in Galway, uh, Xerotech. A uh, 64 million project will help accelerate electrification of non-road vehicles. A really nice story, a good business story. Uh, and a Galway man, uh, Dr. Barry Flannery, 
uh, launched it in 2016. Yeah, I suppose we're very lucky in Ireland. We've a lot of um, really uh, successful entrepreneurial businesses and they're fostered from an early stage. Um, Dr. Flannery started this business from college, which is um, fair going, you know, that he literally left college, started this business and has some really heavy hitters backing him. And like any good business, the capability at that leadership team, you know, is really getting the credibility behind this. And they're manufacturing high tech batteries and they're hoping to get another 30 million uh, in total to make up 64 million investment. And they're doing modular rechargeable lithium batteries. And again, it's obviously very much positive for the carbon footprint and environmental stability, etc. But the hope is that they will be creating 100 new jobs in Galway to facilitate this growth before the year is out in jobs like engineering, production, sales, etc. But I think what's also interesting here is that he's managed to get not alone support from Enterprise Ireland, but the the individuals that he's got to back his business are some serious heavy hitters like ex-banker Donald Daly, Paul O'Brien, former uh, Quinn Group Chief Executive, yeah. Owen Murphy of Venture Capital. Um, you know, so it's a really good news story for Caroline. Yeah, and it's interesting, as you say, Ken, what Caroline points out there, you know, a heavy-hitting board, uh, obviously a very clever individual in the right space, but a, a, a heavy-hitting board and the backing of Enterprise Ireland, all those ingredients, the ingredients really solidify yeah. a strong uh, emerging business here. It, it's uh, it, it's a success formula and yeah. it seems to be working and, and good luck to it. Yeah. Um, well, I have you there, Ken, and uh, this is why I like having you on uh, reviewing the business stories with us is that Ireland may still get 13 billion, but don't hold your breath. It's the analysis uh, of the Apple saga and the tax, uh, this 13 billion that seems to have been going on for quite a long time. And again, in layman's language, I'd like to maybe you might just yeah. help us uh, as to where we are here, because I sometimes get a little bit lost in the fog here. It is it is complex. Um, but um, in essence, uh, Apple, as you know, has been a very successful um business uh, company in Ireland way back into, I think, the 1980s um, and, and absolutely pivotal to the Irish economy and the way in which Ireland has been managing its, its, its position in the world as an attractive attraction for, uh, for multinational investment. Um, the European Commission, um, there's always been issues about the tax treatment of Apple's profits generated in Ireland. The European Commission made, made a decision in 2016, I think it was, that said that actually contrary to what both the Irish government and Apple, so Apple and the Irish government are on the same side here. The European Commission have been saying that monies, enormous flow of monies flowing through Irish company, uh, through Apple companies in Ireland should have been taxed in Ireland, yeah. at least partially. Uh, but Apple and the, and, the Europe, and the Irish government say no. So that issue, as a matter of law, then went to what's known as the European General Court. There are two main courts in Luxembourg in the European um, court system uh, for European law. The General Court uh, found, supported the decision, basically, of Apple and, and Ireland. That was then appealed. And we now have, this week, the Advocate General, who is a key figure in, in, in the decision-making of the European Court of, uh, C- European court of uh, Justice, um, CJEU, uh, um, has said that actually that was wrong in the first course and he's been sent back to be heard again. So if, if that's upheld... 
uh, and there could be a complete rehearing. It looks likely that there'll be a, a rehearing of the case that, that Ireland and Apple, as it were, won originally. But that could be in, in turn be appealed if it goes one way or the other. So I have spe- I've seen speculation. It was certainly some, some expert uh, was speculating earlier this week that it could be as late as 2030 before this is finally decided. Are you serious? Um, but the, but this the is issue with all then, the channels of appeals, with all the channels and of appeal appeals and the complexity and the arguments and the legal arguments that are involved. Wow. 13 billion euro as to whether the Irish revenue should get it or not is ultimately for determined. 13 billion, and there'll be interest earned on it. It's in an escrow account at the moment. But the question really is: is Ireland is saying uh, no, and and it could be reputationally damaging for Ireland if it's found that a. Something special was done uh, for Apple by Ireland, which shouldn't have been done in law. But obviously, Ireland and Apple are, are, are the Irish state and Apple are on the same side here and saying everything that should have been done was done in this case. There's a, he also points out that the there's also a possibility that other European Union countries where Apple did business might try to lay claim to some of this Even money. if the ultimate outcome here is contrary to their wishes, Ireland, the Irish state, was required to collect this money and, and to hold this money and take it into the revenue here, other states in the EU could start looking for shares of that on the basis that the money was actually generated in their countries, yeah. not in Ireland, uh, and therefore it shouldn't, uh, it, they're entitled to a share of it. It o- is all complex and it's far from over. And just to close it out... Uh, Irish corporate ta- tax revenues look vulnerable. How the iPhone 15 does really matters to Ireland, as does whether Pfizer falling back after a COVID vaccine boost came back. This is our dependence mm-hmm. on these small, very few companies that just punch so big Pfizer, Apple, on the world stage. So on. These yeah. are, but the really interesting thing, and Cliff Taylor, who's very, who's very much an expert on this, I've been reading him on this issue for a, lo- for a long time, um, so he, you know, he he talks about uh, um, you know why is all this happening, um, uh, but it, he says fortunately the decline in corporate tax, which we've seen in, in most recent returns, appears to be related to the economic cycle rather than some, stru- some structural change in the way companies organise themselves and pay tax. That's good news for Ireland if yeah. that's the case, because if it's simply the economic cycle, the economic cycle can tick upwards again, and the income can come back to Ireland again. Okay. Thanks for that analysis, Ken. Uh, Caroline, um, uh, bumpy road uh, for the Web Summit. What to expect in Lisbon? Um, Nice piece in the Irish Examiner around the current status quo of uh, where the Web Summit is at. Uh, We've seen uh, Stripe, Meta and Google all pulling out. Uh, I think Microsoft and Alibaba stayed in. But the, the recent... Paddy Cosgrave stuff has really, it appears to have damaged the summit. And it's such a pity. I've attended the summit. Uh, I'm part of going for growth in Acorns and we've brought our cohort over many years. And it's a fantastic conference for startups and a real world stage for meeting investors and fellow startups, etc. So it's such a pity that this is getting so overclouded with the fact that obviously the injection of political and other comments, etc. And I suppose there's been a big bubbling undercurrent for a long time. It's just the, crush, the the straw broke the camel's back by a mile. But this new CEO, Catherine Marr, seems to be a very capable lady. She's got a very impressive CV. And uh, if you need somebody to turn it around, I think you've got uh, yeah. somebody who's got the best chance of success. 
And I think ultimately it's to try and rebuild that confidence. Obviously, Paddy Crosgrove is still, you know, involved in from an ownership perspective, etc. But he's clearly made it uh, clear that he's not even attending as an audience member. And I think because obviously it's going to detract hugely from the job of work she's trying to do now, which is get the focus back on all of the, the positives um, for the people who attend because it's not a cheap event to yeah. get to. I was looking at that. The yeah. tickets uh, to the event range from €1,600 to nearly 26000 Absolutely. And I remember when we went, there was um, a hugely discounted opportunity for women um, very early on. I mean, we got really, really discounted tickets um, to go uh, the times we've gone. And again, as I say, I couldn't say enough good things about it. Hugely positive speakers, you know, opportunities to meet like-minded people, see what's happening from a a global perspective. But it's just the hope is that she can uh, turn the corner because there's a lot of good linked to this that you wouldn't like to see lost. Yeah. Some lessons to be learned there, no doubt. Uh, Ken, I don't know when the last time you were on the train uh, to Dublin, to Cork, but uh, the catering services I wanted to discuss with you because um, Aaron Road Aaron says that cashless tea trolleys are back on track for next year. I I have to say uh, they were withdrawn during COVID for all sorts of COVID reasons, but they never really came back. And... To me, this is yeah. absolute. I think a lot of a lot of people are, are have been fed up sitting on the train. You know, all these train journeys without even the capacity to get you know the trolley with the with the cup of tea and and the chocolate biscuit or wherever it was you could yeah. get or a sandwich. All of that was gone, uh, and it's not really back yet. I mean, there is something. There is now a trolley. It seems on the Dublin Cork uh, line, but some of the lines have them, but most of them it seems don't. Uh, and it, it, I think it's pretty disgraceful that we haven't had, you, you couldn't even get that you yeah. know, for years. Now, it looks like it's on the way back. However, there's a ban on cash, which is being, and we're seeing this more and more. So, you know, shall we say the elderly passenger, you know, want to be ageist about this, but the people who prefer to use cash aren't going to be able to, you know. Uh, but certainly it, it's about time uh, that something, like, to some me, sort it's of facility a, it's such a time. basic service. Yeah. That should be just and provided. You'd get, on, you'd get it on from Dublin to Belfast, yeah. um, but you couldn't get it on most of the other trains. Yeah, it's a and disgrace. It's You're right. It's like a disgrace. Like. But but we're aren't we making something very overly complex as well from the point of view? Surely it cannot be that difficult to put out a tender to get, you know, even they're saying costs have risen. Fair enough. We've to pay, pay more. Pay people yeah. like give people like my mom particularly loves her cup of tea when she comes to visit yeah. me from the train from Kerry to Dublin. And not having that basic facility, I think, is fairly unacceptable. And I also think we have a huge issue with the fact things have got so cashless. Uh, the same happens now in a lot of the GA matches where you can't pay your. A tenor to go into the match and you have to have a credit card. Like a lot of people don't have the credit card for the tea, you know, which is maybe three euro or for the match ticket or whatever. And that's before the Wi-Fi goes down. Yeah, so like <laughs> I do think there's basic services that we kind of need to ensure totally agree. from a customer service perspective mm, yeah. that we're, we're getting the balance right. All right, have a listen to this. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Now, reading in today's Irish Mail, the Beatles are number one again. Uh, but fans trying to visit the studio are going to the wrong Abbey Road. Yes, I mean, there's, there's two stories here. There's first of all the fact that it, the, the new song, Now and Then, by the Beatles, has now reached number one. 
It is reached number one in the Amazing. UK. Uh, and it's God knows it's like the last the last number one was in was uh, back in the sixties, um, but and and there's there's really interesting thing you can look at on YouTube about how the technology and artificial yeah, intelligence cool. has made this possible by the separation of Lennon's voice because there was only a single recording of Lennon and the piano single recording and they had to be separated in order to create this this amazing record. yeah it is it's now being done but the story that you're really hinting at is the fact that and I, I did the tour in in uh, in Liverpool during the summer I love the tour in Liverpool I'd strongly recommend it to anyone do the Beatles tour it really and it certain people of my generation but people are doing a Beatles tour in London and ending up at the wrong Abbey Road not the Abbey Road in St John's Wood around the corner from where Paul McCartney lived and still lives as we all know um, with the famous uh, Zebra Crossing they're in some Abbey Road down in the East End um, yeah. and uh, the final paragraph uh, according to the mail in, in the write-up and uh, Katie Hind in the mail says it reads the people who've gone to the wrong Abbey Road it feels like you've been here there and everywhere and on a magical mystery tour then don't pass me by unfortunately you are on the wrong Abbey Road however we can work it out. <laughs> Caroline, are you a Beatles fan? I am. What I yeah. love is that this is bringing all that back. My mom would have had the um, records and, you know, big rock record fan and the Elvis and Beatles and all that kind of good stuff. But I love the fact that it's making a comeback and the fact it's getting to number one just shows that Wonderful. people are The place really... to go is, is Liverpool, not London. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for a great review of the business stories. Uh, my thanks. Uh, to my guests, Caroline Reedy of the HR Suite and also Ken Murphy, former Director General of the Law Society. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.